It is Locked on Jazz for the 31st of May. Danny Ainge speaks on Boston. What did we learn about that? Was Rudy Gobert hurt during the playoffs? Jazz lose an assistant coach? Season in review? And the Chicago Bulls roster? All coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for tuning in and making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. We are free and available on all podcast apps, including YouTube. Please leave us a five-star review, a thumbs up, or whatever stars you're allowed to give, I guess. If it's a four-star review, give us a four-star review. But uh, thumbs up, comment, all those kind of good things. We appreciate it. It helps us out, lets other people know about the show. And frankly, that's good for you because then when you go to the office and talk about the jazz, you can talk to people who actually know what they're talking about rather than people that don't. I appreciate there was a tweet that went out the other day. I no longer will talk jazz with anyone who does not listen to Locked on Jazz. And I sincerely appreciate that kind of support. So Danny Ainge spoke... To Steve Bullpit, longtime uh, uh, Boston reporter, and spoke about the Celtics and what they've done, and might be revealing in some ways to what's going to happen with the Jazz. Let's hear what Danny had to say. Danny said first and most importantly that I think he was giving uh, Brad Stevens a lot of praise. I think by moving Kemba. It allowed Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams to have to really thrive in positional size, with Horford taking up big responsibility in the front line for Robert Williams and moving Jalen, Jason, and Marcus to positions where they could have size advantages. It's just a better fit. I think it's really clear. So that's really interesting. That Ainge's assessment of one of the reasons, correctly, that Boston is successful is positional size. We have been undersized at every position other than center. And frankly, the league's kind of the other way right now. Everybody's oversized at every position other than center. That Marcus Smart by sliding from the two to the one, Jalen Brown sliding from the three to the two, Jason Tatum from the four to the three, now all of a sudden they all got large. Could the Jazz do the same? Sure, Donovan Mitchell goes to the one. He's not undersized anymore as he is as a two. Royce O'Neal slides to a two, and he's probably like-sized. Boyan Bogdanovich slides to a three. He's probably like-sized. And now could the Jazz find some 6'10", 6'11"-something uh, at the four, six, nine, that gets them like size there. And now all of a sudden the Jazz are like size. I don't think the Jazz would be big the way Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum are. And the Jazz would still have some defensive weaknesses, which is the next thing that Ainge touches on. He says, I think it makes your defense so much better. He's talking about the size. You really don't have any weak holes in your defense at all. There's a lot of small players that we had with Kemba and Isaiah and Kyrie and he says, we had, let me rephrase that. The way it's written is a little funky. I think here's what he meant to say. There's a lot of small players that we had with Kemba and Isaiah. 
And Kyrie had pretty good size for a point guard, but he was smaller. Sometimes there's just some defensive liability with those great small players. You don't have that same dynamic offensive point guard in Marcus, but he brings such a different element with his ability to pass, his ability to post up and rebound. But more than anything, that versatility has to be able to guard one through five. I mean, that's really increased the defensibility of this team. Those are pretty interesting comments. He continues and said, I'll go back to this in a second, but just to continue and get the rest of what he said, because I think it's relevant. I'm really impressed by what Brad has done in his first year. I think he's done an excellent job. Going into the season, I didn't think he was certain of what he had for depth on the bench, and getting Josh Richardson and even Dennis Schroeder were good acquisitions. You know, getting Al so you could play a bigger brand of basketball with adding a solid veteran player around their core, four players was something that has a big impact on the season. I know that Al wanted to come back to Boston, so that was good too. And then to make the changes during the season to see that there was an opportunity to improve was also important. It wasn't like Schroeder wasn't playing well. Schroeder was playing well, but it probably wasn't a great fit to finish games with Marcus and Schroeder. And you know, Schroeder came with the idea that he was going to play a really big role. So I think Brad recognized the challenge the coach may have had and moved moved freeing up playing time for other guys, and Peyton Pritchard played really well since the Schroeder trade as well. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here that's really interesting from Danny Ainge. So if we go back to the first one was positional size. The second one was the idea that they have no defensive weaknesses. And this is so true about where the Celtics are right now. And there are small players that we had with Kemba and Isaiah And Kyrie had pretty good size for point guard, but he was smaller. Sometimes there's some defensive liability with those great smaller players. We have those great smaller players. Donovan is 6'1", but long. Like Donovan can play bigger than his 6'1". So I'm not sure that Donovan classifies as a small player if he's your point guard. I don't think you'd be going into a lot of games thinking to yourself like Donovan's going to be outmatched in that sense of things size-wise. Mike Conley, certainly. Absolutely. Dominated by Jalen Brunson size-wise. And I'm sure that's part of what Danny's seeing here. And then, it was interesting. You don't have the dynamic offensive point guard in Marcus, but he brings such a different element with the ability to pass, post up, and rebound. More than anything, the versatility that he's able to guard one through five, I mean, that's really increased the defense ability of the team. Now, that would be a large ask for Donovan Mitchell to suddenly start defending one through five. It might be where we have to go if we're going to win, but that would be a large ask. And then I thought the conversation, considering the three-part series we did that you can go back and grab on Locked on Jazz YouTube or on Locked on Jazz about Ainge, is Ainge's comment about you know the, how the roster worked. It wasn't like Schroeder wasn't playing well. He just It didn't work for them to finish games with Marcus and Schroeder. And... Schroeder came with the idea that he's going to play a really big role. You know, the Jazz had a lack of basketballs last year. And they had a hard time figuring out what everyone's role was and how they all fit. And who got it when and where and how. It just didn't come together. And you hear, that's where Boston, frankly, was last year. Boston was 36-36 and last year on a team that didn't pass, didn't get along. Juancho Hernan Gomez even said this the other day in a... uh, press meeting in Spain where Wancho said they just didn't pass, they didn't play together, there was no off-court chemistry or anything of that sort with this basketball team. And he was talking about the Celtics a year ago at 36 and 36. 
Then they moved Marcus Smart, who pushes and moves the ball to become their point guard, and then they started they started moving it. So Ainge's comments are really interesting. It gives us some insight into, you know, how Ainge sees that. Final thing Ainge had to say in the Steve Bullpit article for Heavy, uh, Brad, Ime, and Mike, Mike Zarin, and Austin, all of them created a team. There was no uncertainty on how it was going to play when the season, there was some uncertainty on how it was going to play when the season started, and then they saw how it was going, and the team started playing really well before the trade deadline. It looked like they really started to gel once they got back and healthy, but then the extra moves were just to focus on play the right, were just the focus on playing the right players. Who are the right players for the Utah Jazz? That's super interesting. So Danny Ainge with a bunch of comments about Boston that could, I think, get your mind moving a little bit as a Jazz fan. Feel free in the YouTube comment section to leave your comments. Feel free to hit me at DLock09 on Twitter. That's DLock09 on Twitter to grab your thoughts and your comments about what Ainge had to say in regards to that. Was Rudy Gobert hurt last year? And did that restrict what he was able to do? We touch on that interesting interview out of France with Rudy, who's on the sports circuit uh, back in Europe right now. We'll touch on that as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has all the action for you. If you need to get, get involved with the game, at betonline.net. So jump aboard, look in to find out more news, information, all the rest you might want to find from betonline.net. The NBA Finals are there to be played with all sorts of props around it as well. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Monday edition of Locked on Jazz also brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Chevy. You talk Chevy, you're talking Chevy trucks, the incredible Colorado, the amazing Silverado. The Silverado truck is like driving a lazy boy chair. The 2020 Silverado 1500 Custom is available for just $44,990 right now. The Colorado is your more zippy, running around town, smaller version of the truck. Uh, there's also the Colorado H or the Silverado HD available for you, and then some great deals on the SUV lineup right now. By the way, the 2022 uh, Chevy Silverado, uh, you can get a 1.9 APR for well-qualified buyers, and there's the first ever all-electric Silverado as well. So incredible things going on with Chevy and over at Murdoch Chevy plus the SUV lineup. It's got some great deals for you. That Equinox, which is a supercar uh, that Chevy has for you. 0% for uh, right now APR for well-qualified buyers or a $1,000 cash allowance. It's all at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross and in Logan. If you're going to stop by, feel free to Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We can set you up with a VIP meeting over at Murdoch Chevy. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz. Today is your first listen. The draft is coming up. 
right around the corner. And Locked On NBA Big Board is our daily draft show. It's terrific. So make sure you go grab it, grab a hold of it, uh, and listen. Uh, Rafael Barlow is the lead guy. He's been talking to all the agents and all the scouts and knows everything that's been going on at the Combine. Has great insight on what's taking place. Also, Sam Ferris, Leif Deline, and Richard Stamen, all part of the Locked On NBA Big Board for you. All right, uh, Rudy Gobert had some interesting comments as well this weekend. He, first of all, will be playing in Eurobasket 2022. This is one thing I just love about Rudy. And that is, Rudy just loves to play. It's September 1 through the 18th. It probably is great getting him ready. Frankly, NBA players, September 1 through the 18th, are usually kind of trickling into their gyms, getting ready for the league by by running, you know, games and, and pickup and everything else in the arena, kind of unauthorized or not authorized, unlike supervised. And so Rudy from September 1 to the 18th is going to be playing uh, Eurobasket 2022. Uh, so Luka Doncic is supposed to be expected to play for Slovenia. So is uh, Goran Dragic again. So that gets pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, this is the one that Luka won a few years ago. And Rudy really, really wants to win it. Uh, this year for France, the draws have been made. But here's what's interesting about what Rudy said. It's been a few days... Um, that it's been, it's been a few days that it's been clear in my head. The process took some time. If I listened to myself, I would still be 200% to go. But in recent years, I've had a few breaks because of knee pain. Once I had an MRI to ensure there was no problem, I was able to organize my summer. It was important that everything was clear in my head before I committed. The fact that Evan is there is a factor, and I love going to war with him. So Rudy Gobert finishes the NBA season, according to this, and goes and has an MRI on his knee to make sure that he's all right. We saw Rudy all the time bending that knee, laboring up and down a little bit, getting hit and worrying playing with two big knee braces, pretty, like, how limited was Rudy in the playoffs? You know, did it impact him either on the defensive end and being able to move, or did it impact him in some way on the offensive end, be able to set and try to be able to make some offensive plays for him each night? It's, It's not clear, but I thought it was revealing. We kind of knew it if you had watched. You knew that Rudy wasn't exactly right um, along the way. Um, but it's interesting that he did take the time to go get an MRI to get to see how he feels. Um, you know, I think that it's it's and frankly, you know, he loves playing in France against undersized centers. They give him the ball a lot. Um, he averaged ten points in FIFA Basketball World Cup in 2019, and then in the Olympics, he he got the ball more and was more aggressive. He said, "We started to build something in China at the World Cup." That and the Olympics are some of the best memories of my career. It's incredibly rewarding, said Rudy. It would have bothered me not to be able to continue this summer with the group. We are only at the beginning. In the next few years, we want to make even more history, especially during Eurobasket. France will be in Group B, Lithuania, Slovenia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Hungary, um, as well as Germany on uh, the host, I think is the host of it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Boyan plays uh, in Europe basketball as well um and then i think that's probably uh we'll see you know 
Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez is not probably on the Jazz roster next year due, due to roster things unless he comes back on a brand new contract. Um, but he's expected to play 2022 Eurobasket as well. So that was just interesting to hear Rudy kind of openly say he had an MRI after the season on that knee uh, that was so visibly causing him problems uh, during the season. The other news note, we just kind of had a big, I took it Friday, Memorial Day, had a bunch of those, is the Jazz lose assistant coach Sergei Olivia to the Portland Trailblazers as an assistant GM. This is a significant loss in the sense that Sergei, Sergei is unique. And Sergei is really a numbers-based assistant coach who was... His background is he's, he's Spanish. He came coaching uh, out of the Spanish League, went to the Philadelphia 76ers, spent two years with the Utah Jazz. And while he did do on-floor coaching, he really was the numbers and analytics coach to the coaching staff of how to approach things analytically. Um, he was very integral in the uh, building of kind of that early offense, the early three when the J- rest of the league was taking about 33% of their transition shots as threes, and the Jazz suddenly jumped to 50% and surprised the league in the COVID year a year ago at the way they were approaching it and their efficiency in playing in that fashion. Um, you know, frankly, I think he was probably a part of leaving Terrence Mann open too. Uh, that was an analytical decision that came back to bite. Sometimes that happens um, with analytics. These decisions are not always perfect in how they play out. They are just analytical and trying to play the best odds as possible. But the the loss here would be just the uniqueness of of Sergey. There's plenty of coaches on this staff that can to fill his needs, and you know the numbers are, are. There's more and more people that can do this, and there's better insight and all sorts of things. But you know there is a the same way that when you know the Jazz have had credible uh, turnovers, the wrong word. Um, promotion of their coaches. So, for example, uh, Sagana Jop, who uh, is was a former NBA player who went on and is now coaching in Houston, there's a uniqueness to having a seven-footer on your coaching staff, right? So if you lose a seven-footer on your coaching staff, it's hard to go find another seven-footer to fill that same role and be able to battle your bigs and do some of those kind of things. I mean, AJ has, Alex Jensen has a uniqueness at 6'10 that he can, like, look a big guy in the eye, there's something to that. So that you're losing something in, in Sergey in that there's a, a, a unique skill set to what he brought to the table. But frankly, you know, the same way that the team needs to shake up, maybe some of the coaching does too in that, you know, hey, everyone's been together for a while and you got to figure it out. Um, I'm not sure with this group that turnover is a bad thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Not that anyone, um, you know, sh- don't misunderstand that comment. I just think that, in the same, this whole season was just a wear and a tear, and there wasn't the spark that Quinn talked about. And I don't think people were like juiced to come to the building on any side. That just wasn't, you know, Wancho's time at the Celtics a year ago that they just didn't have any chemistry. I think it's pretty clear that that's where we were this year. So anytime there's little changes, sometimes, you know, it can just change the mix and be good. This probably wasn't one you would have chosen. Uh, Sergey is very good. He becomes an assistant general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, and congratulations to him uh, for being able to take that next step um, in his career. All right, we'll continue our series of looking at rosters and who they might have and who we might want, and we'll do it with the Chicago Bulls as we continue. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. The look of the Chicago Bulls could be very different depending what happens 
with Zach Levine, and that's probably the first place to start. Zach Levine, coming off some knee injury issues, is a free agent, and more and more murmur that he might be considering going somewhere else. Um, And uh, as we are continuing our series, if you've missed it each day, we're looking at a roster of a of the other t- of, of a team in the NBA um, and whether or not we have interest in anyone on their roster to be able to rebuild um, or maybe simply to go get better positional size, right? That's what we just um, had. Let's see if I can bring this up for you. Here we go. Here's the roster on the um, of the Chicago Bulls uh, to look at. So the other thing is just kind of their, their contract situation on all their players. So take a We'll take a quick look at that. Levine's the free agent. That's the super interesting one um, for them. DeMar DeRozan is signed for $27 million next year and 28 the year after that. I don't think they'd be interested in moving him. Uh, Nikola Vucevic has one year left at $22 million. This says 24 on sports track. It's at 22 Lonzo Ball has a three-year contract left. Um 19.5, 20.5, and 21.4. Um, I understand that what you're looking I will give you what I'm looking at. There we go. I think that'll do it. Um, I think that's right. I think you now have the same thing I do. Um, yeah. Uh, Alex Caruso, 9 million, 9 million, and then a, a non-guaranteed 9 million, which I'm sure they'll guarantee. Young Patrick Williams, who did not play until very late in the season. Um and then they've got Kobe White. They've got to figure out what to do with Tony Bradley still hanging around. Ayo DeSumo was a great pick by them last year. Um, and then the free eight, Zach Levine, obviously no longer on this chart as the free agent. So let's start with Zach Levine. Is there any way the Jazz can pull off something incredible? His dad played at Utah State. He's from Bothell, Washington. Maybe he has an interest in coming back to this area. Levine would give you positional size. And, you know, can the, would the Jazz be able to, Levine's max contract, he'd, you'd have to max him out uh, on a full max contract this year. He did have knee problems. He's not, a, not, not known to be a good defensive player uh, in, at all. Um, but he is a bona fide scorer. He is long. And he is an a elite athlete. And you, but he's got some knee problems, and he's probably the Bulls are going to have to pay him a five-year, two hundred and twelve million. Uh, at least they're doing a very good job, frankly, of floating him around to enough other people right now, so that you know you'd have to do that. And then for if you're the Jazz, you'd have to pay him about that same rate. So if he's getting a five-year, two hundred and twenty twelve million, excuse me, two hundred and Five-year, $212 million max contract uh, from the Bulls. The Jazz, I believe, would only be able to, unless it's a sign-and-trade, then the Jazz would be able to do that. If you do kind of the quick math on that at 212 divided by five, you're talking about a $40 million a year contract. And so the Jazz, to get to that, would probably have to be a Mike Conley Boyan Bogdanovich trade to get to 40 million sign and trade to get Zach Levine. It's a pretty hefty little price right there, but that might be your shot. 
Um, you put Levine with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and then fill the other spots in. You've now got positional size at those positions, depending where you fill in the rest. Um, so it'd be interesting um, to get your thoughts. Feel free to comment in the YouTube section of whether or not Zach Levine on a max contract at $40 million, and then you're done. Then you're Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine is your roster. You've gotten rid of Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich. You're probably going to have to move some other players, and you're going to have 5 and $7 million players across your board uh, after that for the rest of your roster. Um, otherwise, on this roster, Lonzo Ball is the only one that gets a little interesting of whether or not the Bulls want to get rid of the max contract that is – uh, or the, the long-term contract that Lonzo Ball is. His inability to get off his knee injury this year, though, is very disconcerting if you were going to try to look into him. Uh, we usually start this conversation of would they be interested in either of our stars, and I think the answer is they would certainly be interested in Rudy, and I would think they would probably be interested in Donovan. And so, you know, is there actually a rebuild here um, on another level? But the minute you're going after Zach Le- if you're looking at Zach Levine at 40, you probably, and Lonzo Ball at 20, you try to rebuild that backcourt. You've got to move 60 back to them. And I'm not sure how the Jazz could possibly move $60 million of contracts back that direction. Unless it's Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley for Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine. I'm not sure we just got better uh, on that one. In fact, I'm pretty certain uh, that would be a hard one for us to win. Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell without a defensive center in the middle, um, unless there's a lot of other roster moves, would be an awfully hard one uh, for the Jazz to pull off wins. So a bunch of little possibilities right there. But really the main players you're talking about, though, are Zach Levine is a $40 million a year free agent. Lonzo Ball, if you're going to go grab uh, the remaining three years of his contract at 19, 20, and 21. I do like Lonzo Ball, positional size. I'm very worried about that knee that he never came back. would be a hard time to make a trade for him. Otherwise, on that roster, not a lot of other pieces unless you want to go back to Tony Bradley as your backup center, which is a legitimate possibility. He's playing better and better um, every year. I don't think they're giving up Caruso. Patrick Williams is a major piece for the future. Kobe White. They're kind of stuck in a weird spot on him. I think Kobe White could actually possibly become available. Um, he's kind of a scoring point guard, um, almost a Ben Gordon type, six foot four hundred and ninety five pounder. Last year uh, on the season, his three point shooting was thirty seven percent, and he played about twenty eight minutes a game last year. But I think they're going to get caught in the middle on him of whether or not they really want to. Um, how much they want to spend in his regard. So that's um, Chicago. Kobe White could probably be a conversation. Big picture stuff. Do you go Levine? Do, are you interested in Lonzo? Uh, would any of those change what you are? And when you kind of build off what, what Danny Ainge had to say, uh, so, some interesting kind of comments about positional size to shift the Jazz in that fashion. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Tomorrow, we'll look at Royce O'Neal's season review. We'll look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and there's all sorts of rumors floating about the Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, and we'll see what other news notes, plus dig in a little bit more on the Seas and the Warriors and what we can learn from that. It is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thanks very much for making us your first listen. Now, make Locked on NBA Big Board your second listen of the day.